Hi there, and welcome to the Adopt That Monster podcast. I'm Julia, and for over half a decade now, I've journeyed through the intricate maze of canine neuroscience, delved deep into dog training styles and ethical dog training, and found my guiding light by studying and observing dog behavior. And that's Kona, my adopted monster from a Romanian shelter. She was a bundle of reactivity from the very first moment, and she unleashed many storms of emotions when we started our journey together. But she isn't just my rescue dog, she was and continues to be my muse, my mentor, the heartbeat behind every lesson I've learned about understanding and nurturing adopted dogs. Here, you're most definitely not tuning in for just another pet show. You're stepping into a world where we take dog adoption to the next level. We're not just talking about bringing a pup home, we're talking about a lifelong journey of understanding, connecting, and loving. Yes, we geek out on canine behavior and research findings like no one's business, but that's because we're committed to tackling the two issues most guardians of adopted dogs face, recall and reactivity. So, if you've ever found yourself calling out for your monster while he's sprinting in the opposite direction, or if you felt that knot in your stomach when another dog walks by and yours just can't seem to keep calm, we've got you. With insights grounded in scientific research and dog training, expertise, this is the place to arm yourself with the knowledge and practical techniques to master the art of recall and manage reactivity like a pro. So, why listen in? Because at Adopt That Monster, we're all about turning dog guardians into dog whisperers and adopted pups into forever companions. Every episode is a treasure chest of actionable tips and techniques designed to go beyond adoption right into the heart of true connection. So gear up for a ride that's not just informative but truly transformative. Stick with us and you won't just adopt that monster, you'll nurture it, bond with it and unlock a level of love and companionship you never thought possible. Stay tuned! Hello, beautiful souls and fellow dog lovers. Welcome back to your favorite corner of the podcast world, Adopt That Monster. I'm your host, Julia, here to unravel another tail wagging tail. Okay, we've been on a bit of a break. I've been studying a lot for my diploma in supporting rescues dog. We have a lot of amazing stuff prepared. We're also uh, getting ready. Kona and I are getting ready to support some rescues in Romania and uh, practice what we've learned, what I have learned, because Kona hasn't learned anything. She's just about playing on the beach and uh, chewing on bones. Okay, so today's episode is a special one. It's titled Fetching Reality, pun intended. Three illusions I had about my future dog. In this episode, we're diving nose first into those adorable, 
yet slightly misguided ideas I had before adopting my first dog. And question is, have you had any rosy ideas that you had that got you ending up flat on your ASS after your dog arrived? I'm talking for myself at least about those moments of daydreaming BP before a puppy, where I imagined bathing my dog would be like a serene spa day. Or how I picture my dog gracefully fetching a ball. And of course, the classic, and I see this with a lot of dog guardians out there, believing that every dog is a social butterfly, loving all other dogs at first sniff and tail wag. <laughs> the innocence. Okay, dear listeners, as many of you know, the reality of dog parenting can be more like a hilarious blooper reel than a picture-perfect scene, and that's the beauty of it. It's in those unexpected, sometimes muddy, often clumsy moments that we truly bond with our adopted dogs. There's something magical about overcoming those little challenges, and it turns out the journey is way more colorful and fulfilling than our initial rosy views. And speaking of journeys, I have something very special for you for those embarking on the essential quest of recall training. Don't forget to download our recall reflection workbook. This gem is your guide to mastering those crucial recall techniques, no matter which one you decide to use, ensuring your adopted furball becomes an expert in coming back to you, no matter the distraction. Trust me, this workbook is a game changer and you'll find the download link right in the bio of this episode. In today's episode, we'll not only share loves and stories, but also sprinkle in some valuable insights about the importance of patience, understanding, and compassion towards our dogs and other fellow dog guardians, and the joy of building a strong training foundation with our dogs. Because at the end of the day, it's about growing together and strengthening that unbreakable bond between you and your four-legged best friend. So, are you ready to shed those rose-tinted glasses and embrace the wonderfully wacky world of dog adoption? Let's embark on this journey of discovery and chuckles with Fetching Reality. Three illusions I had about my future dog. Here we go. Let's start with the splash. Literally. The first illusion that I told myself was bathing my dog will be easy. I always picture dog bathing as the serene, almost cinematic moment. I even remember when I went shopping to prepare for Tonks' arrival in Vienna. And my friend, who who has a golden retriever, came over to share the happy, thrilling moments of getting ready for my first dog. And as I showed her everything, we got to this washing up bowl. Maybe it's called a basin, maybe basin. I think basin is like the American English word, whereas washing up bowl is probably the um, British English version. Anyway, it's this big bowl, this plastic bowl. The dog would definitely fit in it. And she asked me, so what is this for? And I naively told her, 
to wash the puppy. Duh. And she looked at it and she smiled, a very sympathetic smile. And then she said like something like, oh, okay. And it only hit me later why the look on her face was more like, there's gonna be a rude awakening here. In my head, the film was the following. A serene bathroom, fluffy towels, a calm dog sitting patiently in the basin as I gently scrubbed her clean. Sounds picturesque, right? Well, reality was more of a slapstick comedy, something like this. A puppy, my beloved scruffy tongs, freshly lathered in shampoo, seizing the perfect moment to dart out of the bathroom. The door, newbie mistake, left ajar, was her gateway to freedom. What followed was a high-speed chase around the house with tongs joyfully shaking off suds in a spectacular soapy display. My living room transformed into a frothy mess and I stood there part amused, part bewildered, realizing this was nothing like the tranquil scenes I had imagined. This was nothing like the social media reels and videos of calm dogs sitting patiently, eyes closed, as you gently scrub them clean. And for all you dog guardians out there, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Like, I think those dogs who actually love being bathed are super rarities. In my case, in Kona's case at least, she is obviously so uncomfortable. Tonks was uncomfortable as well. The look in Kona's eyes is like, she feels betrayed. She just wants out. She is patient with me. But I know that given the opportunity, she would much more rather be scrubbing her back on the grass at the park in some sort of dead animal. Squirrels are her favorite, but she will take a dead rat in a pinch. My advice, make it quick and don't forget to laugh. It's all about the memories, even in those unpleasant moments. Like when your pup does the infamous shake-off, turning your bathroom into a sexy wonderland. I know that for me, bath time affairs always leave me wondering who gets based, me or the dog. It's the unexpected hilarious moments that teaches valuable lessons in patience, acceptance that our stinky pups think differently about being clean. And last but not least, the importance of always keeping the bathroom door closed. Second illusion, the dog knows how to play with the ball, also entitled The Fetch Fable. We've all seen those dogs on TV, on YouTube, Instagram reels, fetching like pros. So naturally, we expect our new furry friends to be born fetch champions. Well, not exactly. Some dogs gaze at the thrown ball as if contemplating the mysteries of the universe. I thought dogs and fetching were a natural combo, um, something like peanut butter and jelly. Well, not with my two dogs. When I first introduced Tonks to a ball, expecting a fun game of fetch, she took one look at the ball, then at me, and decided the best course of action was to hide behind the shoes in the hallway. And I called my friend, all desperate, the friend with the golden retriever, Avril, 
the Golden Retriever was the first dog I ever cared for. I did dog sitting for my friend on occasion. And the only example of a dog I had, like close contact in where I was given the opportunity to actually explore around personality of a dog, observe the dog. And, you know, Aurel is just such an amazing dog. She's like the role model dog. She does not bark. By the time I met her, she was around six years old. So she had her dog, teenage rebellious ears behind her. She was well-versed in retrieving the ball. She is, in general, very considerate of other dogs. She's not big on socializing and playing with other dogs, but she's very neutral and friendly in dog-to-dog interactions. So I just thought that all dogs are like that. And I call my friend desperate, panicked. Tonks is afraid of the ball. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Now there is nothing I can play with the dog. (laughs) Then my friend proceeds to tell me that Avril, her golden retriever, needed months to learn what the proper use of the ball in a dog-human interaction was. What? I was convinced Avril was... A fetching prodigy. Turns out she had to learn it all. And you know, some dogs might get it in one place sitting and some dogs, well, maybe some dogs are like Kona. Let's just say fetching is not her forte. It took us two years to get the hang of it. And now we're at the level where she brings back the ball but drops it a few meters away from me. Then she expects me to play with her according to her rules, which are all about me trying to get the ball. This is something like a game of tag. That is why sometimes we have a ball with a cord attached so that we can play both games at the same time. She does get the exchange, drop it for treats. And truth be told, with tongs, I used to be anal, pardon my French, about game rules and be stiff about getting the ball exactly at my feet. And with Kona, I relaxed more about the perfectness of a port and enjoyed the fun times, adjusting to Kona's mixture of retrieving and tugging. In Kona's games, it is also highly important I win more than she does because otherwise she loses interest in the toy. So I make it a habit of playing a 4 to 1 ratio, 4 wins for me, 1 for her. And this does not have to be the same with your dog. You have to test it out and see if your dog is maybe more stimulated by the wins. Apparently, in Kona's case, losing the toy makes it more high value and worth playing longer for. So, drop the rules, make your own rules. Unless you are entering a retrieving contest, there is no perfect in a fact-ching game. It is all about honoring your dog's individual quirks the unexpected bloops that make our journey with our dogs so unique and memorable. The fun of a good game of fetch is not in dropping the ball at your feet, but in the joy of laughing at your dog, running, rolling, stumbling, the missed catches, and the loud cheering every time your dog gets it almost just right. Okay, moving on to illusion number three. All dogs love other dogs. Oh my God, this is a big one. This is a big one, especially because I am horrified when I meet people on the street, guardians of dogs who actually cross the street to have their dogs 
greet my dog and I just don't know how to yell at them quicker. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. So on a more serious note, this social butterfly myth is a big one. The belief that all dogs love socializing with their fellow canines. But just like us, dogs have their own social preferences. Some might love a good romp in the park, while others prefer a quiet stroll. Just the two of you. I used to be one of those people who thought all dogs love other dogs. That was until Kona taught me this valuable lesson. Not all dogs are social butterflies, and that's perfectly okay. Kona showed me that some dogs are introverts at heart, thriving on individual attention and quieter environments. It was a humbling experience, honestly, changing my perspective on dog socialization. And while this last segment is a bit more serious, because it's crucial to understand our dog's social needs. It's about creating a safe, comfortable environment for them, especially on walks, one where they feel understood and their boundaries are respected. And it is also hugely important because we need to be aware if we have that dog who is a social butterfly, to always ask at the park, does your dog want to play? Tonks loved other dogs. She needed other dogs in her daily life. And it was incorporated in our daily routine. We would go to this dog zone very close to where we lived so that she would get her daily dose of canine companionship. On the other hand, Kona does not care for other dogs. And this was a huge aha moment for me when I got her because I tried to do with her the same I did with Tongs, and I was almost shocked to see she did She did not want other dogs around her. She would snarl if they got too close. And I had this very stiff mentality. Dogs need to socialize and be with other dogs. And of course, Kona needed to learn leash walking is safe with other dogs around and many other doggy manners in society. So her reluctance to dogs, to other dogs initially, was also a reactivity issue. But now that her decompression time after being on the street and in shelters is behind us, she really does not care about other dogs. Like now I have the confirmation that it wasn't just her being afraid after the after being in a shelter for so long, being afraid of other dogs or not knowing how to react to other dogs when she was on leash and so on. So now I have that confirmation that she... I don't know, simply put, she does not care about other dogs. The way she interacts with dogs is always just being around them and doing her own thing. But there is little dog-to-dog play and interaction. She greets her dog friends when we meet them, uh, but then she just she's just on her merry way or gets busy doing her own thing, playing with a stick. And that is okay. And these are actually how her dog friends are as well. They they greet her and then they they move on to greener pastures on their own to sniff in the grass or whatever. And when we meet a bundle of play who is all in her face challenging her to play with him or her, she just subtly grows at them, basically politely saying, no, thank you, you were to- too much for me. And then she just turns her head away or her body and is just completely neutral towards the dog. Conclusion, 
If you have a social butterfly on your hands, stay mindful and respect other dogs and humans' needs for space. And if you have an introvert on your hands like Kona, be brave. Be your dog's advocate if you meet guardians and dogs who are just too much for your dog. Understanding and respecting social preferences is key to deepening the trust and the connection between you and your dog, making every outing pleasurable and relaxing for both of you. And that, my dear listeners, wraps up today's episode of Fetching Reality, Three Illusions I Had About My Future Dog. I hope you found some giggles and wisdom in our journey through these dog myths I had myself. But hey, the conversation doesn't end here. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Do you have any whimsical, rosy ideas about dog ownership that turn out to be a bit more comical or challenging than you expected? Share your stories with me at hello at adoptthatmonster.com. And who knows, your story might just be the highlight of one of our upcoming episodes. Before you go, a quick reminder to download our Recall Reflection Workbook. This resource is a game changer for any dog parent struggling with recall. It's designed to help you identify patterns and uncover recurring challenges and triggers that impede successful recall. Trust me, it's a stepping stone towards mastering that flawless recall with your furry friend. You can find the link to download this invaluable workbook right in the episode description. And don't forget to keep tuning into Adopt That Monster for more heartwarming, humorous, and educational content. Dog adoption is not a one-time event. It is a journey. And I can't wait to share more with you in our next episodes. So stay curious, stay compassionate, and most importantly, stay tuned. If you love this podcast episode, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you absolutely love this episode, please follow our social media accounts. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram account, and we are also on Twitter at AdoptThatMonster. We have a YouTube channel. We are on Amazon Music. And you can find all the links in the episode description below. We intend to bring you valuable content that will support you and your dog blossom and thrive as a team on your bonding journey. Remember, here we go beyond adoption into the heart of connection thank you for listening to the adopt that monster podcast and thank you for being committed to up leveling the relationship you have with your dog by becoming the best version of your human self until next time